Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. Um, on today's episode, I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking about obviously recruitment growth, but I wanted to have a slightly different chat. Um, I'm joined by Emra Baikal, who is the founder and CEO of a business called RO. It's a, an energy dedicated recruitment firm headquartered in London, but do all of their business in the US, just launching out in Houston, Texas. They're a relatively small organization, 10 staff, but they're, they're part of Tempting Ventures, which has like 80 recruiters across different brands. Um, and Really cool business, lots of cool stuff going on. But the, the reason I want to talk to Emra is because not so long ago, I, I noticed him on LinkedIn and he posted about his own life journey and how he's lost loads of weight, how he's um, gone on to become a much fitter, healthier person. He trains in the gym twice a day. But then the impact of that on his life with his kids and his wife but, and his business has been amazing. He now has a business where he encourages people to not only go to the gym before work because they start at 10.30 for the US market, but they also go to the gym at lunchtime. So they come in at 10.30, they work till 12, they get given a two-hour lunch to go to the gym and they've changed the way they run their incentives to have less alcohol involved um, and they finish the day at 6.30 on the dot so that people can have a life. And he he's really focusing on this health and well-being piece, which I think post-pandemic is a much bigger topic of conversation, um, but not many people are living it and walking the walk like this guy. So I'm super excited to get into this um, into this conversation. Right, let's get into today's session with Emra. Without further ado, Emra, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited. Not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. Um, I, uh, I always... I always like to think, how do how do people get here? There's always so many different routes that I connect with people, but yours was so it's crazy. It wasn't that long ago I saw that post on LinkedIn. I was like, one you you had I think you had your six pack out on LinkedIn. I was like, who's this guy? What's he doing? Yeah, it was um, it, it was an interesting post to put up, to say the least. It caught my attention, and it also made me think. You know what? It's the first recruitment owner I can remember that that has properly just spoke about their the health and fitness of themselves and what they're trying to do, rather than just turn it into us you didn't try and turn it into a sales post you didn't say like and we're hiring 50 people so get in touch like you made you just made it really authentic about you and i was like i love that so emra i've done a, a little introduction but i can never do it justice could you for the listeners who don't know you could you just tell us 
who you are and then give us like the, the little bird's eye view of who of your agency right now people locations sectors that kind of stuff yeah so i'm emra obviously um i'm the ceo of rna um which was named after my first two sons so my twin sons that were born probably about a year before we started this business um we are a purely u.s centric recruitment business operating in renewable energy and you know power infrastructure yeah uh we have a london office we've just opened up our houston office um we plan for houston to be one of maybe three or four offices in the us i would say over the next two to three years um we don't know whether we'll have you know a 30 40 man office or multiple sort of five ten man offices you know i guess how we hire in those locations will be dependent on that hmm. um why do we choose houston <laughs> really weirdly when we set up the business we knew we were going to be us centric um and at the time all the energy recruiters that i knew of were in houston so we we got a voip system and we pretended that we were in houston <laughs> for, <laughs> for the past four and a half years we've, wow. be, we've been in houston i mean obviously uh, last two and a bit years haven't managed to travel there as much but yeah no no essentially all of our clients have thought we were in houston so it was probably apt that we actually oh, wow. have an office over there well, if they're listening now they know you're a liar don't they? i'm joking um, <laughs> i like that i like that stuff um i love that stuff in fact um but let's go back so you're you started the business four and a half years ago so quite a similar time to hoxo um mm -hmm. uh, 2017 summer of summer early mm -hmm. autumn whatever sort of 2017 um how long were you in recruitment before that? So when did I start recruitment? I started probably 2010-ish, mm. I would say. Same as uh, me. Um, so small boutique executive search firm, sort of maybe 15, 16 people in the firm total. Um, did that for a year as a resourcer. Realized I didn't just want to be a resourcer. Uh, moved to hydrogen, which was the complete opposite. Mm. Um, lasted six months there because i was absolutely wow. shocking <laughs> um like and then kind, of, kind of took a sabbatical what i call a sabbatical just basically realizing is recruitment for me hmm. took about four or five months out um what'd you do nothing like genuinely absolutely nothing i just was partying loads and just having fun <laughs> and you know I, I never took a gap year um yeah. you know I, I went straight from school to uni straight after uni i went into investment banking which i realized wasn't for me um so it was kind of nice to have some time to do just whatever i wanted to do mm -hmm. um yeah then you know went to a startup there's probably six seven of us when i joined so did you decide you wanted to go back to recruitment or was it a case of running out of money and thinking fuck what else am i gonna do i think it was a bit of that yeah, yeah i think yeah. it was i've kind of run out of money um this seems exciting six seven man startup they had just taken a a million pound biller from spencer ogden to start up the business right you know i was like wow guy billing million pound you know obviously i'd worked with a lot of recruiters and I'd, i hadn't seen a million pound biller yet no um so i was like well i get to sort of sit right next to this guy surely i can sponge a lot off him um and essentially that's how i built my career just he's called tim harrison he no longer does recruitment i think it's a massive shame because he is the best recruiter i've ever sort of had the pleasure to work with wow. um but yeah so I, so I sat with him for two years uh, he didn't necessarily teach 
in the traditional way. So he wouldn't sit you in the classroom and say, you know, this is what you do on a call and so on. It was, in fact, I think he found that part of the job quite difficult. Yeah. But if, if you were just willing just to listen to him, and, you know, I still use those attributes now, and I still listen to people around the floor the whole time and, and mm. take little snippets that I can add to my day. Yeah. Um, and I always tell my staff that how important that is. You know, when people want to go outside to make a call because it's a bit quiet, so I'm like, you're on a sales floor. Nobody is going to mind if it's loud on the other side. You, you know, know that's, that's the thing we've lost with all the remote working, isn't it? We've lost that, that oversight of... I even think now, though, I'll be honest, like, I've took this little office and I went to... The, it was in Cape Town last week and I'm sat in an office in Cape Town. We work with people... And I was like, I can't, you know, I've got to go and find a room for myself to do my calls because I'm so used to this almost silent <laughs> net. Like, whereas I think back to the day, I was exactly like you. I used to hate it when people walked out of the room. I'd be like, get back in. You're not, you're missing out. And we're missing out on the, the noise and the buzz mm-hmm. and you're not going to learn. But now I'm like, after two years of working on my own and I know what I'm doing, I don't need that. But for juniors, I mean, it's so, mm-hmm. it must be, the, must be the hardest thing about growing a recruitment business in 2022 would be, if you're going to go down the remote or the semi-remote model, you, you, you are going to miss out on development. You're going to miss out on that speed of, of, of capturing things that you just organically pick up while sitting with Yeah, you. I think certain individuals will thrive in, in these situations. You know, I always used to think to be good at recruitment, you need to be an extrovert. Um, you know, there's a lot of good recruiters that I've seen that are quite introverted. And I think those individuals work better when they can zone out and have their own space. Hmm. Um, I think the extrovert characters, you know, the the so-called obvious top billers are ones that need to have a loud office and, you know, need to sort of beat their chest and be loud and proud about what they're doing. Um, Mm. But it's interesting, sort of growing a recruitment business as opposed to working for a recruitment business, you get a better understanding of what type of characters you need to have within the sales floor. You know, I've made the mistake a lot of trying to hire people of a certain mindset and it doesn't work you need to have a multitude of characters in the office you know so we blended exactly so you know we offer everyone one day work from home even juniors get that you know from when they first join um i think it's really important i think more so than them being able to zone out you know i think what we forget is you know for us a lifestyle work life balance is really important you know, letting, allowing them to do like house admin on a Wednesday, mm. which is, you know, they're at their desk. Most of their housemates probably aren't home if they're sharing a house with someone else. They can do their laundry and, and not mm. have to worry about the rush or have to do it on a Saturday and Sunday, which is like their two days they get off a week. How boring to have to wait yeah. next to a washing machine, you know. Or, so, I, you know, little things like that is quite important. Um, you know, I think we'll maintain that one day work from home indefinitely you know it might get extended but it, i don't think it's ever going to get taken away mm-hmm. i love that so this guy the million pound biller was a kind of listen to me type character which i think is common in our sector when mm-hmm. when did you know you were going to start a business when did it when did it become very clear that you were going to because at one point you don't even you don't even know if you're going to do recruitment anymore and then to go on yeah. and grow up you know you've got a thriving business so when did that penny turn so I was there, I was at, I was at Voyage Global Energy for two years um, and very quickly became their top biller. Um, <clears throat> I then, probably immaturity more than anything else, uh, I didn't really understand 
why I was being told to hit KPIs when I was top biller. Um, now, now knowing what I know, it's because, you know, as a top biller, you have to set the example for everyone else. Um, mm. And, you know, if you want to grow out teams, you need to show that you need to hit metrics and et cetera, et cetera. So mm. I think it was just naivety on my part. Um, you know, I kind of fell out with the business owner. You know, we're, we're mates now. Um, but, you know, it was my fault more than his fault. Um, I then got approached uh, by someone in another group to go and work for one of his companies for you know a couple of months get my desk profitable and then we'd spin off and, and start a business together uh, again probably naivety on my part i got really overexcited and you know thought oh my god i'm gonna own my own business um and then didn't, didn't really understand the management structure of who owned that business and how that business was run and uh, so on so did that for three-ish years, um, got it to six, 700 EBIT, uh, which was you know fairly decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a massive cash flow issues. Um, you know, we were doing we were doing business in the Middle East and North Africa, which was super difficult to get cash out of those countries. Um, you know, with reputable brands, but but even still, the state, the, the countries weren't allowing the cash to leave that easily. So, you know, we were stuck on, you know, 200 days plus debtor days, wow, which was just crippling the business. Um, so off the back of that learn, you know, we've, we've set up a new business, obviously with a new business partner, um, which is purely US centric. Um, we have very little cash flow issues. We are fully self-sustainable. We're profitable, have been, I think, mm-hmm. from about nine months into the business, 10 months into the business. Um, you know, paid back what little loans that we got from from, from the investor quite quickly. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I think the situation I'm in now with the investment group that we're in, so Tempting uh, Ventures, yeah. I think is the, is the best incubator we could be in. Um, you know, there's every business that, that Ryan has invested in within the group is absolutely thriving at the moment. Um, and that's down to, you know, the centralized uh, team that he has around him. Um, and it's also the, the collaborative approach that everybody has within the group. So our London office, we share with two of his other businesses, you know, in, in a week and a half time, two weeks time, we're going out to New York for our uh, annual uh, general meeting <coughs> where <coughs> two of his businesses, one in New York, one in Indianapolis will also be there. So, you know, while we're a smallish business, and technically, you know, I, I'm a major shareholder of a smallish business. I feel part of a bigger business. I think we're mm. sort of close to 80 fee earners across the group now. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is an interesting one. I think all recruiters at some point think they want to start their own. Mm. But there's there's lots of pros and there's definitely a lot of cons to it as well. Well, let's, let's get into that. But so just to backtrack there, so you were that other spinoff, you got it up. You're, in, you know, you're saying cash is difficult to, to, to mm-hmm. get out of these regions. How did the conversation come and what was the story around that Tempting Ventures kickoff? Uh, I'm without going into too much of what happened in the old business, you know, let's just say we, did, we didn't break off on best terms. Right. Uh, um, <clears throat> and then I, I kind of didn't want to go again because I'd spent three years building a really, you know, what I thought was a really good business. Hmm. Um, if we had got through the cash flow, I think we would have been great. 
Um, so I kind of just wanted to go get an MD role for someone. Um, mm. And interestingly, I was working with some rats racks and, you know, one of them put me in, in touch with uh, hydrogen. Um, and I sat with hydrogen um, and I was kind of a bit shocked because I'd worked there for six months and been the worst recruiter I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I kind of asked that question. I was like, look, why am I back in this room? You know, not so long ago, I actually worked here. And the answer was kind of, well, you know, you've achieved a lot since then. <clears throat> and then it became clear that Hydrogen is actually an investor within Tempting Ventures. Right. And ra rather than them backing me to go and work for them, they were like, why don't you go and speak to our investment arm, essentially, and speak to Ryan. And I mean, Ryan is just... <sighs> in a very good way, super infectious. Like it's mm. really hard not to buy into him. It's really hard not to to believe his sincerity of everything he says. Um, mm. And honestly, everything that he has said, he's followed through with. Have we had difficult conversations? Of course we have, um, you know, what partnership doesn't. But, you know, like I said, that's the great thing about him as a partner and why I think I made the right decision, why, why I know I made the right decision, is that I know that whatever our conversations are, that will be backed up by action. So honestly speaking, if it wasn't for Ryan, I'd be working for someone else. Yeah. Okay. And he, he gave you a platform to say, look, everything that the back office is set up, you just got to come up with the name, the brand, and, and let's go. Yeah, exactly. And R&O, and R &O was, that you say, the name of your kids? Was that, that was an easy easy decision to make on the on the net because that the amount of people that tell me they spend a, like a lifetime working out what they're going to call the business well it was through the help of, uh, of some friends and family um in in hindsight having two more kids since then has made it a bit more difficult but yeah um no i think yeah it was quite easy and and it rolls off the tongue um yeah. you know we've now it's not rno anymore it's now ro um mm which we didn't realize when we rebranded is is kind of similar to spencer ogden so um <laughs> but th there was no thought in that um it just looked nicer in terms of a logo so you know our sponsor vincere um but vincere have had a massive uh, brand refresh on their website they've gone for this like galaxy nasa space type vibe um, and if you go to vincere.io, you will notice their new website. It's got so much more information about the, the, the CRM, the all-in-one platform. Emra on today's show is also a Vincere yeah, user, talks really highly of the platform. And if you don't know, it's, it's evolved loads over the last year with the new website. They've got new modules such as video interviewing now, video messaging, automation, and their website and branding um, needed to reflect the new business that they are. Um, they've also um, got this CRM ATS core module that then plugs into everything else. So they've got this kind of product design map now you, that you can see not only where they are today, but where they're heading. It's, I mean, I don't think there's, there's, it's unrivaled right now in the CRM space in the recruitment market. So get over to Vincherry.io, have a look. If you're interested in working with them or taking on their platform, let them know you're a rag listener because you will get an exclusive discount. Yeah. So where's how many people you got now at RO? So we are 10 in London. Um, we've, like I said, just hired one in Houston. We are in the process of hiring a team of three around him. 
and we're in the process of trying to hire six grads for London as well. So right. I would say within the next three months to four months, we're trying to hire nine people. So you're going to double um, in size? Hopefully. I mean, I don't, I don't see it as doubling because we have lost a few people recently. Mm. Um, you know, a few of them have gone off to start their own, which, you know, no, no hard feelings at all. I did that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we're a perm orientated business. I get that. Um, you know, one guy in particular lived quite far away from home, uh, sorry, from the office. So he just wanted to have no commute, have a lifestyle business. He knew he could bill 200 grand a year, and he's very happy with that. Mm. Um, you know, he's now got his wife working with him, who, you know, is a, is a very good um, candidate delivery side consultant and been working for recruitment businesses. So the two of them will probably build two to 300,000 a year. And, Yes, pretty, yeah, exactly. It's a pretty nice living. You know, I think they have ambitions to move to France. Um, but yeah, I mean, businesses lose people, I guess. You know, that, that's one thing that we're learning as well. It's, you know, we just need to make sure that the platform that we give people, it gives them the best possibility to make the most amount of money while they're here. And, mm. and, and if they choose to leave, you know, hopefully they leave on good terms, which... You know, I think 95% of people have left our business on good terms. Uh, you know, there's always an exception. Um, but no, we just want to give people the platform to earn as much money as they can here. And if they can earn more elsewhere, go for it. You know, that's a mantra that I have of all, all the people that work with me. It's if we're not giving you the best possibility to make the most amount of money, go and get it elsewhere. And tell me what we're doing wrong so I can rectify it so nobody else goes. <laughs> so what what is your vision for the business? Like if I was, you know, someone who wanted to work for you, what where are you heading? Like what why would we I mean get making as most money you can is cool, but it's I still don't believe that's the only driver people work in the sector, you know? What Yeah, no, what, I mean I, I think that's the that's the initial reason why I think people get into sales you know they want to make as much money as humanly possible but I think what we want to be able to do is give ambitious people a platform to go and do what they want to do you know do they want to go and open an office in Charlotte in North Carolina cool show me that you can build a team in London and then you can take that team with you or you can go and build out a new team over there you know we have no problem investing in people you know or you know someone wants to start a completely new market area Again, very happy to do that. You know, the ambition is that once we eventually sell this business or whatever we do with this business eventually, is that the people that have got to the top of this, I will invest in them to start their own recruitment businesses. Um, ideally, whether that materializes, I don't know. But we want to give people the platform to do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I honestly mean that. It's not... You know, hopefully they want to do it with us and not someone else but you know it's initially we want to give them enough money so they can have fun take their partners on amazing holidays you know go for two three hundred pound a head meals you know the things that you can't do on basic salaries mm -hmm. um and then after that it's okay what, what what ambition wise what do you want to achieve you know do you want to have a team of 60 people in, 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 in. So I, I actually listened to a podcast the other day, forgot the person's name, but he's was, you know, quite high up at uh, Faden. And essentially it was, you know, he now runs 
the US office for Storm Two and Storm Three, mm-hmm. and it was it was amazing. They had like sixty people starting one day, uh, and I was kind of listening to you know what drove him, and it was always what's next, what's next, and that's kind of what we're trying to to, to give our staff. That you know they have all their promotional criteria set from day one. They can help shape that. You know, if they, if they want to go and open an office, it's like, cool, okay, well, this is what the office is going to cost. This is what your p is going to look like. This is what you need to generate. If you get there, we'll do it. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of, we're quite fluid in that. In that it, feels like, it feels like it's clear that you're, you're allowing people to create their future. But what's your, have you got a vision for, for what the business looks like? Or are you quite open to how it evolves based on what others want? Um, I mean, what, what, what do I want to achieve? I, I want to get to a reasonably sized recruit business. You know, I, I want to get to 40 to 60 heads mm-hmm. really realistically. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of want to make my role to, to being able to nurture the, the future leaders of the business. So as opposed to spending so much time with every business, every person in the business, I want to just be able to concentrate on my, my time on how to upskill the people at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can concentrate their time on the bottom. It's not not because I don't think my time's valuable to, to the people at the bottom, but I want to entrust the people within the business to be able to do that as well. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, as any person that starts a recruitment business, I guess there is an exit strategy at some point. But similarly, if we're having loads of fun and making loads of money along that journey, why would you exit? Mm-hmm. You know, it, exit gives you a one big payday, but you're getting a payday every year anyway mm. so and as long as you're continuing to enjoy it i mean I, I still enjoy recruitment i still enjoy rolling up my sleeves and getting a deal over the line and finding a candidate and spending loads of time with that candidate so until i stop enjoying that i i don't think i'll take myself away from the front line just yet so how much are you still billing as like everyone else then? you're still totally on, on the yeah, yeah i still bill i'm not top biller anymore um but yeah i am still billing um, I'm still actively involved. I still run a large number of the accounts here. Um, mm. You know, it was just yesterday I was telling the team, you know, when when I started and you know, Samuel Liggins was one of our first hires, you know, him and I were sort of working any role we could get our hands on, you know, fees of $10,000. I don't mean to laugh at a $10,000 fee because, you know, it was very kind of clients to pay us that back then when we were an unknown. But you know, we wouldn't look at a $10,000 fee now because it's just not worth the aggro. You know, you, you would do the same amount of work for a $10,000 fee as you will for a $30,000, $40,000 fee. Mm. And actually, you know, as we've discussed previously, some of these lower fees have a higher dropout rate as the candidates yeah. are more fickle. You know, mm. when you're dealing with a 160 to 200K candidate salary-wise, they are much more committed to you because you're helping them at their career. Whereas, you know, someone on the lower salary level is just like, well, it's very salary dependent for them to move. So that, that you know, they will drop you immediately. So no, it's, <laughs> it is interesting, you know, how things have changed. So how has the business evolved then from, like what was day one like when you're part of a group? Were you, did they put you in an office and like, just paint the picture of the early days of what, what it was like and then we'll go through. So I was one of the first investments. So when we started, I actually, another recruitment company called OHO, um, who used to be, I think they used to have some sort of agreement where they had some sort of uh, management services from Ryan. I'm not sure how their relationship was, to to Mm. be honest, but 
either way, they had some sort of working relationship and, and they used to have an office just, just around the corner from here in Victoria. They had moved all of their salespeople from the basement and the first floor just onto the first floor. So they had everybody on one floor and they had an empty basement essentially. Mm. So I, I was in there all by myself for about six weeks while we were sort of trying to hire people. Um, back then, obviously, there was no such thing as working from home. or no. So I, I found it really odd sitting in this huge room all by myself. So yeah, I think about after six, seven weeks, I moved in with, with Tempting Ventures into an office in this very building. So we've been right. in this building now for four years. Um, so we were in a small seven-man office, I think. Um, since then, you know, we've gone from seven-man to 16 man 16 man to 16 plus two eights now we're in an office i think it's got 50 or so 60 desks but actually we've got you know we've just knocked down two walls and two offices behind us to make it bigger so we just spread out the desk we could probably get up to about 70 80 people in there but yeah it's been it's been nice to watch the evolution of the group as well so you're all you're in there with the other businesses the other brands yeah 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 so yeah which, so it will feel like, like a much bigger business yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love that as well. You know, people forge relationships with people that they don't necessarily work with day in, day out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people will go for beers and drinks with people in any of the other brands, which I think is great. You know, they don't feel like they're working for a 10, 15, 20-man business. They, f they feel like they're working for one of the larger corporations, but get more attention potentially than they would at one of those larger firms you're in a boutique you're a boutique brand within a within a you know multi-brand group um, a bit like a fading or storm you know that's what they're trying to do but they're mm -hmm. the storm guys are doing it on a different scale than everyone else right now they're going they're going nuts it's um, crazy it's i it's, I, I, I don't understand what, that <laughs> what's your so tell us all that, that you know we i've had claire cooper and i've had james um james brown on the show the, the guys who you know found the whole the whole thing um and they are taking 30, 40 grads on day one. And they've been and, and at a time. You, you said to me, you, you know, you're struggling right now. You're trying to get six in London. Tell us, tell us what's the current experience like of getting graduates into uh, an academy or whatever. Um, London is proving more difficult than I thought, mm. which was a big play of why we're trying to build out Houston as quick as possible um, and why we're open to other locations. So one of the R other businesses, well, not my personal but tempting ventures other business in mm. Indianapolis it is just hiring unbelievable graduates um into their team and they you know they've built their business model incredibly well it's really well run from top to bottom but they are just not finding it that difficult to find great recruits and I, th and I think you know the, the guys at Storm kind of said as much as well you know in America you just mm. get a much higher caliber of uh, graduates um, because for them, recruitment, i.e. sales, which is the way they see it, isn't kind of like a secondary potential job. Mm. It's actually a fully-fledged career over there. I still think that people have some sort of stigma attached to recruitment in this country. Oh, um, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think it's a massive wrong misconception um, because, you know, people can forge amazing careers earn loads of money, make amazing friendships. Um, you know, the number of people that I know in recruitment that I've competed with for the last 10 years that I'll happily go and have a beer with. You know, we've been sort of going head to toe for 10 years. But 
we all know each other and 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 that's i think that's what sometimes people forget about recruitment in the in the uk i think also with the graduates they they do want techie type roles and you know a lot of these techie type roles are giving unbelievable benefits in terms of fully remote mm. coming to the office you know working at google type offices yeah all your food and everything's included and, and it's just crazy mm. i mean i think we you know i think we we look after our staff but you know i don't have a canteen that gets them free food three times a day <laughs> it's mad i went to hubspot in dublin and uh this was a couple of years ago now and they were like yeah i was like the food's incredible you got like guinness taps and you name it like you got a full-on kitchen every lunchtime you can go and get whatever you want and they come down and it's, in, it's like proper hotel standard food and they were like yeah we didn't have that until facebook moved in and did it and then google did it and then we had to do it and basically they're in this bubble in dublin where all the headquarters of these big us tech firms and they, whatever one of them does, they all quite quickly start losing staff and then they all have to do it. So you're almost at mercy to what the other tech yeah. companies are doing. Um, in recruitment, I, I do believe, I think you're completely bang on there. It's, it's seen as a secondary career. Like you don't meet people that say, I wanted to work in recruitment in this country. It's always, I fell in. The only word that is ever used is, oh yeah, I fell into yeah. it. Whereas, yeah, whenever I talk to US owners, they use the word recruiting or headhunting. And they, they they seem it's a bit more sexy, it's a bit more glamorous. Like to be a producer in the US, it's like this headhunting, almost like it's like a, like a movie type role. Whereas in the UK, it's seen as car sales or you know door to door. It's like literally you only do it because you can't you can't do something else. But it's not the truth. It's so far from the truth. Um, it's madness. What what I want to talk about with you, though, is that one, the one, the, obviously the reason that you, you you really stood out to me in the market was based on you as an individual and what you've done over the last couple of years to, to change your lifestyle. Um, so when tell us a bit more about this. So was it in the pandemic? When, when did you when did you look at yourself and go, right, I'm going to get fit? Because personally, you've had a transformation. Well, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. So, you know. Ever since I've worked in recruitment, everyone's always said recruitment derby. You'll get recruitment derby, and it's so true because you're, mm. you're well. You drink, I mean, uh, you drink too much. You eat absolute vile food. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's delicious, but you know, you're having McDonald's and bacon sandwiches, and you know, pretty much anything that has the highest fat content you can possibly. Mm. Eat. And look. I, I love it. Everybody loves it. You know, as long as you're not a vegetarian, I'm sure you'd love that kind of food. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure there's e equally types of food for vegetarians. Um, but, you know, we, I guess the pandemic started and for us to try and feel a bit closer to each other. Claire, who's uh, one of the uh, operations people within Ryan's team, decided to do a map my run across the group. Mm -hmm. And we had a little competition for the first month. You know, obviously, being at home uh, with my four kids, we lock, we actually locked down with my in-laws in the country as well. It was quite nice for me to be able to get out and run. Um, I'd never been a good runner and mm. I was a very big guy as well. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't an easy run. Um, but, you know, I'd try and get out three, four times a week. Um, you know, I think I did 100 odd K in the first month. Wow. And then just from, from now, I just carried it on. You know, one of my best mates, uh, Cal, who, who actually works here, he also is, he, he's not a qualified personal trainer. He doesn't proclaim to be, but he is perfectly qualified in terms of being able to tell you about his fitness journey, dietary yeah. plans, things of that nature. So 
we started working out in the park. You know, he missed the gym. So we started working out in the park. You know, some days it was snowing, some days it was raining. You know, <laughs> some of the pictures of me, I'm literally covered in snow, completely soaking wet. But it'd be an hour and a half, you know. Other days we we're, were pulling cars with the sunset coming over us. So that was really exciting stuff. And then kind this of... This was all to get you out the house and just to just to feel better during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, also, because we're in the house, you're not doing the little bits of exercise that you do day to day, which is mm. walk to the shop, you know, walk here, you know, do whatever, you know, the tiny little things that you do. Yeah, that add, and all the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. The little things that add up, like I used to cycle into work, which would take me a lot longer than it should do, considering how short the cycle is. Um, but yeah, it was it was just quite nice just, so being able to do something and then you can actually see your physical fitness get better. I'm quite a competitive person as well. I don't need to compete with other people on, on physical mm. strength. So I don't think you ever should, but it's quite nice to compete with yourself. So, you know, if, if a week ago I was able to run that distance in this time, how can I get it better? So that those kind of little things I was doing. Um, and like I said, I think it's very inducive to my character, which is quite competitive by nature where the actual like really big drive came from was sort of late last year was when i was like you know what i've never had a six pack kind of want one <laughs> mm. how do i do it so i set what seemed like a rather unrealistic target to get it within 47 days from january 1st um and yeah i managed to do it i mean i, I wouldn't tell anybody else to try and do it that quickly was this 2021 or 2022 2022 so i was right. already at i was already physically quite fit you know i yeah. could, I, I could do hit workouts you know and maintain you know fair level of fitness um but sort of dropping what 10 to 12 percent of my body fat was was pretty difficult you know it was like a two and a half thousand calorie deficit a day um what, you said you wanted to do it. Was it purely just an aesthetic thing, or was it what? What made you do it? I I quite like to know that if I set my mind to something, I can do it. Yeah, um, I can relate I also, to that. I also kind of wanted to prove that if somebody else can do something, then I can do it. Um, mm. And that wasn't just for my own personal, you know, so that I could kind of show others. And that that was. The, the the LinkedIn post wasn't about me going, it's all about me, 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 me. And I'm glad it didn't come across that way to most people. I, I did get one comment that was sort of that way, but um, that wasn't the intention. The intention was kind of like, look, guys, if I've done this, anybody can. Like, it's just about getting up, deciding you want to achieve something and going for it. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a lesson that we should all take in, in all aspects of our life. You know, it's in recruitment as well you're looking there you're sitting to your right and like we said it's recruitment is a job that you don't need to be a genius to be able to do you don't need any specific qualifications you know i would say 10 years ago we all thought that the only person that could be a salesman would be an extroverted ballsy pick up the phone smash that phone do this do that but you know nowadays you can see the introverted characters are able to make a, an amazing amount of money in some cases more than that extrovert so mm. that's the point if somebody else can do something so can you and that's kind of what i wanted to sort of relay initially to the people that i work with and then secondary to to, to the wider audience on linkedin did you make it 
like public at the time in your in your own circle that you're going to do this? Like, was it? Yeah, guys, yeah. So, I've got 47 days. Everyone knew it was happening, kind of thing. So my wife actually uh, recorded a video uh, of me over Christmas saying I will have a six pack by February 17th, and she was like, "I'm recording this, but there's no way you're going to actually do it." Um, and so yeah. tell us what you did do. So how did you? Because I, I went on a journey. I'm not got to a six pack, but I've been on a journey since first of January as well to with running. Right, I, today I did my 104th run of the year, and it's that's insane. I've loved it. <laughs> yeah, I've loved it. Um, I've also just been drinking for about ten days, and it's ruined all the all the work that I did. But I, I can remember that first of January. I was like, right, my change was I wasn't going to drink in January. I was going to run every day. I wasn't going to eat breakfast, and I was going to so. I, I was like, I can easily have a calorie deficit if I just, I'm never that hungry anymore. Anyway, I'll just eat lunch and tea and that was it. And it, it worked like it worked pretty well. I dropped about five kilos in a month, but I didn't get anywhere near the six pack levels. So tell me what was your, how did you work that out? What did you do? So I was, I didn't drink for 47 days. Mm. So actually, actually a lie. I, I had one gin and tonic. Um, mm. the, I wasn't, for some reason, my wife and I weren't going to be, weren't being able to spend Valentine's Day together. So we did Valentine's Day a week before, and I just had one gin and tonic um, mm. at dinner together. But apart from that, didn't drink, didn't have any fizzy drinks, um, ate very little. Well, I had almost no processed food. The only processed food that I did have was like vegan slash vegetarian food, which mm. pred predominantly is quite processed. Um, you know, like the fake chicken and you know all that mm. stuff. Um, super high protein uh, in everything but it was just it, it's it really is it's just simple maths you you just have to burn more than you, you you're eating um we did a bit of manipulation towards the end so it's quite it's quite interesting so it's the weirdest thing so about a week 10 days before it ends you you drink so much water that your body just gets used to sort of obviously getting rid of it then when you cut out the water for about three, four days, your body still thinks it's got loads of water. So you're still going to the loo. And all you're doing essentially is taking all the, the water away from your skin. So it, it does right. make your skin just tighten a little bit. So right. body bodybuilders do that before, you know, shows. I'm not yeah. saying that I'm a bodybuilder in any way, but it was it was very much I needed that picture of me having a six pack. Um, I'm going to do it again in some off to America where I know I'm not going to eat particularly well. Uh, and I'm going to come back and do a 10 week, you know, absolute blitz myself again. Our second sponsor is always district four um, district four have worked with me. Um, I've been a partner to this show for a long time and they are designing a business that effectively wants to give recruiters their time back and also allow them to start a business. So do you want to, have more time? Do you want to build more money? Do you want to spend more time with family? Do you want longer weekends? Well, all of D4's members have found that. You know, they don't have meetings and commuting and all the unnecessary shite that a lot of recruitment businesses put their teams through, especially when they start and they think they have to keep all of the structure that they've had before. Sometimes for people like you, and some, I mean, I'm a bit like that. I like to wake up and just no, I can control my destiny on a given day. And District 4 allows you to do that. So if you're somebody who wants to start a recruitment business or has already started and is struggling to scale um, in the way that you want to, not the traditional way, then get in touch via www.district4.io forward slash Hoxo. Check out what they can do. 
He said two and a half thousand calorie deficit. I mean, that must have felt, you must have felt that. You must have been tired and grouchy. And like, how, what did you do and how did you feel throughout that process? See, weirdly, I didn't feel as tired and grouchy as I thought I would. And that's predominantly because I used to drink a fair amount last year. So mm. because I was drinking more often than not, I was quite tired because I was having broken sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, as with anybody that drinks, you know, you, when you when you fall asleep drunk, you don't really wake up in a great way. I think, you know, obviously yeah. everyone calls it a hangover, but it's partly you're dehydrated. The other part is that you just haven't slept well. Um, mm. So not having that kind of, I was kind of used to that. So mm. it, it kind of made the sort of lack of food quite good as well. But, you know, Cal, my mate, he kind of explains, he's like, if you go and have a McDonald's, your McDonald's is what, five, 600 calories. The reality is that that five, 600 calories, very little of it actually is any good calories. Whereas if you have like a four or 500 calorie salad with, you know, lean chicken, all of those calories are going straight to your muscles, straight to building your body. So there's a massive difference between the type of calories you're putting in your body. So mm. I didn't feel like I was losing that many calories because I was eating really good calories, which was, you know, effectively getting my body to do what it's meant to do. And did you do the classic low carb thing? Did you cut carbs right down? I've done that before. Um, so I, I've done Atkins a few times. Problem with that is you just put it straight back on because most mm. of what you're losing is water water retention, um, and it's really hard to sustain. Like you, yeah, you it's can't. Bo- it's so boring as well. So it's so <laughs> no, so I mean, you know, did, did I did I eat burgers with buns and stuff like that? You know, the simple stuff you'd probably cut out. But no, I had carbs every morning for breakfast. Mm. I had carby vegetables. You know, I guess the parts of it, I cut out some sort of fruits, like the really sugary fruits. But no, 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 there was there was nothing that I cut out that you you wouldn't think the obvious things to cut out. I think that's the whole point of it. Everything has to be sustainable. So now I go to the gym twice every day, which I know is a lot for a lot of people. I'm very fortunate that as a business, we start at 1030. Um, you yeah. know, we're, you know, a thing that we've implemented is that everybody can go to the gym have a two-hour so lunch go, break. Let's just stop a second. Just go back a, a step because people might be listening to this thing and what are they going on about? Like, why does it matter if this owner got a six-pack? But the point, I don't, I don't think it matters that you got a six-pack or not. It's more what is it, what impact it had on you as a person, as a leader, and mm-hmm. on the team. Um, and you, you were pretty. We spoke previously, and you were pretty clear that you know it has changed the way you look at things. It has, mm-hmm. it, like you say, the business now. Talk about how, like, how's the day set up for you and the business to enable everyone to feel better? So, I mean, for starters, we've always, so we've, we've got a gym downstairs that's free for everybody to use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a really conscious effort when we took this office that we loved the fact that they had a gym downstairs. And probably for the first two years, I never used it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... You know, unlike other businesses that we compete with that work out of London, um, we don't start until 10.30. So we want our staff, ideally, to, to, to go to the gym in the morning or, or do whatever they want, but enables them to have that time. Despite starting at 10.30, we also allow our staff, and this is more of a new thing. It hasn't been a thing for ages. This is because of my journey um, yeah. and because of the fact that I like going to to, to to the gym at lunch 
they also can go to the gym at lunch. If they go to the gym, they're able to take between an hour and a half and two hours. Essentially, and what time's lunch? What time if they're getting half a ten? What time's lunch? Is it still twelve or one? Or yeah, it it's still twelve. So yeah. I know it's quite early considering how late they get in, but essentially we're you can't get on the phone until about one to two o'clock because of the time zones in, in the US. So essentially, mm. I wanted to go get that out of the way and then be able to get on the phone. Mm. But then the weirdest part of it is we still finish at 6.30, which is not late. And, and that's, well, not late for recruitment anyway. Um, and the main reason for that is just the work-life balance that we want our start, you know, the, the team to have. We used to do eight o'clock finishes if we needed to. And you know what? People will still work late if they need to. But the, the, the idea is we don't want people to feel like they have to be in the office. So the, the changes... The changes have very much been centered around, you know, the the team, you know, health healthy things for them. So, you know, we've we haven't actually in the last couple of weeks, but you know, typically we do get sort of fruit for the team and things of that nature. Um, honestly speaking, we used to go out and drink loads as a team because that's what I kind of yeah. grew up with in recruitment. Yeah. That's yeah. how you show your team you care. You take them out for loads of beers and have fun and look we do occasionally but but i think i've definitely noticed the team are fitter healthier mentally more there because we don't go out drinking as much i think i was definitely guilty of that i used to find any excuse to take the guys out for a drink mainly mm. because i wanted to go for a drink <laughs> mm. um but no i think you know people were coming in far more refreshed i think more collaborative ideas are being spoke around the office because people are just healthier i think because so many people in the office go to the gym you can just notice people's lunch uh, routine has got different as well in terms of what they're eating you know mm -hmm. rather than i can't remember the last time i saw a mcdonald's for lunch um, yeah. you know which there's, there's nothing wrong with mcdonald's i mean i've probably had a million mcdonald's if i can't all up but um it's, it's nice to see that people are taking care of themselves because I've noticed the massive difference in my mental state since I stopped drinking as much and started exercising way more. What's the main difference for you? I, I think just I'm just clearer in what I want to achieve and how I want to achieve it. And I think my interactions with people are a bit more defined because of that. You know, my message doesn't deviate from day to day. Um, you know, when you're eating unhealthily and not exercising, so you're not getting the endorphins from that and drinking, you know, you add all of that together and, you know, it can make, make you have good and bad days. And yeah. if you're having good and bad days, you're the, depending on the conversation you're having that day, if it's a good day, it'll be a great conversation. If it's a bad day, it's not going to be a, hmm. a great interaction for the people you're talking to. So I think it's really important. I've definitely noticed a massive uh you know change in myself uh, and, and hence why i want to advocate that for other people as well makes sense i like it so you just said before you train twice a day so you go to the gym twice a day yes yeah, so i'm usually in the gym between uh 6 30 and 7 30 depending on which day of the week it is mm. um and then i'll do a lunchtime class and then on wednesdays we we also play football as a company uh um, so on wednesdays yeah um wow. yeah it's 
it seems like a lot, but I am quite used to waking up at quarter past five now. Mm. Um, you know, my everything is, is I so I watched this clip of The Rock yesterday, and he was saying that he it was four or five hours. It was five hours, I think. So if he, he wakes up the five hours before it, what he calls it is go time. So if he mm. needs to do something in the morning at 9 a.m., he will be awake at 4 a.m. so that he can do his gym routine. Have, so he does cardio, breakfast, back to the gym, then gets ready. Then he's ready for his go time. And he's like, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. It's five hours before I need to do something is when I'm awake. Mm. And you can't, you kind of just get used to it. You know, you, I, you look at Mark Wahlberg's routine as well. He's up at like 3 a.m. or 3.30 a.m. Mm. It's, You've got to go to bed early, though. People forget that bit. <laughs> you can't just wake up early and not go to bed early because then you're just cutting out sleep, which is really important. Yeah, massively, um, which was something that I had to get used to. I still don't go to bed as early as I should. Um, mm. Usually end up watching some absolute rubbish on Netflix, but <laughs> we've all been there. Uh, but no, it's it, it is interesting. You know, it's you do get used to. I've because I've got four young kids as well. I've never had a problem sort of having to wake up. You know, if I'm hungover, I'm still up at half six, having yeah. to sort of get ready to get the, the kids ready. So whether I'm up at half six. Or I can take myself to the gym if I wake up at quarter past five, do a workout, have a sauna, feel great about myself after that because I've just basically sweated out that hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I, we've always, even pre-kids, if we ever went out and had a big night, we'd never wallow in the house. We'd be like, right, mm -hmm. up, shower, let's go do something. Um, because it's you're just naturally sort of not letting yourself sort of just basically melt into the sofa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. And I'm I'm more like that as well. Well um what 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 impact do you think it's had on the family, on the kids, on your wife, since you've been way more health conscious? I think I can do a lot more with the kids. Um you, you know, I think it's you know, whether it's taking them swimming for three, four hours or you know, being able to pick them up much more. Um, you know, I think my wife obviously is a superstar for for letting me do this. Like she gets all four kids ready every day. Um, you know, without that support, it'd be impossible. What are the ages? Uh, so my twins are five, my middle one's three, and my youngest is two. So oh, yeah, nice. full on, <laughs> absolute full on. But no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's, like I said earlier, my mental state is better than it was. So I, I, I get less frustrated at, you know, things that they do that yeah. kids, you know, I mean, I, I probably did way worse when I was a child. Yeah. Well, I've only been living with my partner and two kids for four, no, five, four, five months. And I found it really difficult at the beginning to wake up and used to, I used to live in a flat with my dog in Manchester in this beautiful city center Zen apartment. And then suddenly I'm living in this house with two dogs, two kids, my partner, she's getting ready. And she wasn't asking me to do anything and she still doesn't. She's, she's the same. She gets it all going and she's, she's amazing. But naturally I would want to get involved, mm -hmm. try and like learn, but, but I would find myself struggling with it. And it was because of my own, I was waking up, maybe having a coffee and not, not doing anything, maybe going out for a slow walk with the dogs, but I wasn't, whereas now I get up and the first thing I do is I go and run. 
and I do between mm-hmm. three and five K, sometimes seven to 10 K, but minimum three K a day, every day. And when I get back, they're just coming down and getting ready. And my, my mental state, my attitude is so much different. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so much calmer in that moment. I'm so much more present in that moment, but I also feel better about, I feel better about myself. I've done something. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if it's, we're just wired a certain way, but if I I've think, not done something for me, I'm a little bit more grouchy with other people, if that makes sense. Like I need to get I, my own shit done to be the better version for others. I completely agree. And I, th- I think that is such a strong message. I think if it, it is bloody hard getting up in the morning. You know, mm. it is when you first start. It's really hard dragging yourself to the gym every day or going for a run. You know, when it's freezing cold, pitch black outside, you look outside and you're like, really want to go for this run? Got to do it, you know. Of course, like, but it's once you get through that that bit. I now love it. I get up, my alarm goes off, put my clothes on, I'm straight to the gym. That's Mm. my me time. You know, whether I'm going to do a really intensive workout or whether I'm going to do a sort of sixty seventy percent. You know, a bad workout's better than no workout, as as you know, as my mate keeps telling me. Um, But honestly the mental change that you have after you've done that and then you know you have your shower you get ready for the day you've actually got you, you've done, you've achieved something before most people are even awake <laughs> yeah yeah it's massive it's massive and it's i mean I, i'm not i sometimes do two like you i do a run in the morning then i'll do calisthenics at lunch as opposed to a class um i'm not doing any weights at the minute i don't have to pick that back up i've had a break from it for about I think I've been went to the gym before the pandemic and then I've not not really done it. I've just done body weight stuff. Um, I don't know. Part of me is like, I don't know if I ever want to do weights again. I quite like just body weight work, but you get bored of anything you've been doing for a while, right? Um, but yeah, doing doing two in a day, I think I've built a lifestyle now I can do it. Whereas looking back in my recruitment days, I remember I used to go out at lunch and put my I put my bag on my back and people were like, where, where the fuck's he going? Like the whole office was, and I was the top biller, and they'd still be like, Where's he going? And I come back and they'd be like, where have you been? And I'd be like, Jim. And they're like, ooh. Like, as if like you're a part-timer. Like, as if it's like a, it's going to negatively impact. I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's weird. Um, so I, I'm loving that the stigma now has changed. I'm loving that recruiters mm-hmm. have changed. I think the younger generation are, are definitely more aware of like health, fitness. They're just aware of things more than maybe we were in our early days. In I think- social media and body consciousness and stuff, there's so much more information ready, readily available now. I think as well, their businesses are much more relaxed these days than they ever were. I think, you know, the mm. example that you gave of those tech businesses, you know, I think someone made the move initially that, you know, you don't have to be on the phone for four hours a day or you don't have a chair or whatever it is. I mean, mm. I remember days of literally not having a chair because somebody hadn't hit their call stats in our team and you'd literally come in and not have a chair all day. I mean, and we just accepted that. That was just like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Fine, cool. I won't have a chair. And you couldn't kneel down. So you had to sort of arch over the laptop to put your computer at the time to put your notes on whatever system you're using. I mean, we use Vincere. I've seen that you guys are sponsored by them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great CRM, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, um, yeah, I mean, nowadays, you know, people get up and leave on the dot when when their time finishes and you know no one says anything because that's yeah. just part and parcel of it i remember if you left half an hour after you're meant to <laughs> be like I, you just 
clock your card as you walk out just you know thanks for thanks for the overtime today and you're like i do have stuff to do um mm. so yeah no it's, it's great to see that the recruitment industry has changed that you know it does allow people to to be more conscious of that I think what's different about you is you're leading from the front on this. So if you're going to the gym as the owner, as the leader, and you're the one who's promoting fitness, you know, it's way, way more chance of this sticking than if there's two people on the, the grassroots doing it and you as the owner is like, well, we're going to go to the pub. Like, because people will automatically follow the leader. They'll automatically do what the, the boss does. Um, I think there's a lot of people, I find a lot of people talk about it, but don't want to commit. They don't want to do the hard work. It's like I'm on a, I, I'm running this challenge and I've got a group in on WhatsApp with it's about 15 recruitment owners or recruitment leaders in it at the moment, running every day in April. And the enthusiasm in the group on day one was insane. Like everyone's like, now you've probably got 50% doing it. Um, and I don't know where the others have gone, but I, I mean, it's like completely, I said at the start, not everyone's going to complete this. It's not a problem. Do what you need to do. But I do think it's just a nat so many people naturally want to be fitter. They want to get, mm -hmm. they want it, but they, when they work out what's involved, it's an early wobble. Whereas if you can get through that 15 days or something, 20 mm -hmm. days, it, ain't, it becomes, I'm so, I was on a stag doing Newcastle this weekend with 20 lads from Manchester that I grew up with. And in the morning, after 12 hours of drinking, I'm running down the Tyne River. And they're all like, what is he doing? And then the next day, I'm running down the Tyne River twice. I did it. Like I didn't miss it. I was like, I'm, but it's not like I wanted to run. I didn't wake up going, oh, I'm dying for a run. But I was like, mentally now, there is no, I can't not do it. Like I have to, mm -hmm. if my legs are, unless my legs are injured, I'm going out and I'm not running quick. I'm not running any professional, like personal best times. I'm doing 3K pretty slow, but I'm up and down that river. And at the end of it, I feel like I've done, I feel like I've achieved something, even on a hangover, a stinking hangover. <laughs> um, so it's, but it, it does take a while. If you'd have asked me that a year ago, could you, I would be like, I wouldn't even think of it. Whereas now it's like, it's all about building habits. And it sounds like mm -hmm. you've also built, built an insane habit that is now rubbing off on the team, which is, which is awesome. Well, I hope so. And I, I, I hope it, it enables us to hire as well, because, you know, I think allowing people that platform to be able to have that. I don't think a lot of our competitors are doing. Um, I don't want it to stay a competitive advantage for too long. I, I genuinely want as many people to embrace this as they possibly can. You know, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people are very quick to talk about, you know, what they can do for mental health and you know how seriously they want to take it. But actually what does their business do to help their staff? You know, hmm. like I said, we we want our staff to be able to finish at a reasonable hour, you know, any earlier than 6.30. And I think we wouldn't really have enough hours in the day working. So that was our compromise. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we want them to go home and not feel like they have to work 24-7, like I felt like when I first started recruitment. Yeah, yeah. You know, we want them to not have to be in at 8.30, you know, start at 10.30 so they can either wake up later or go do something for themselves or go to the gym. We want them to go to the gym at lunch. So the, two, the hour and a half, two hours, they can go, you know what, I've, I've achieved something that's different to what my workday achievements are. So, you know, I, I don't know how much it will help people in the long run because I think there's lots of factors within mental health, um, a lot that I don't fully understand. I don't think a lot of people do, but mm. whatever we can do to make sure the platform that we enable people that work here to have you know, the best mental mindset we will do. Mm. 
and we're very open to other suggestions so you know if, if people want to suggest other ways so you know we're looking at changing how we do company incentives so you know rather than it being which was always the case let's go and have a massive piss up on a day you know let's actually go do something like escape rooms or something yeah. like that something that's a bit more mentally challenging or you know we we ask each people everybody in the company what they would like to do now as opposed to what what i've seen before and what i've always done is ah oh, let's put abifa as our holiday incentive because who doesn't want to go to abifa it's actually well does everybody want to go to abifa is, yeah, is that yeah, really yeah. what they want to do it's also all around alcohol like we, my yeah. mate is la- my mate's launching a business at the minute which is called WeConnect, where he's going to help recruitment or corporate businesses, recruiters included, connect with their teams through going hiking and doing like, you know, three, two days in the Peak District or in the Cotswolds. And they might have a drink and a bit, they'll have dinner at night and stuff, but it's more about the outside, fresh air, the the achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll all be Love taken that. care of. And I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm like, and, and if you want to have a drink, great. But if you don't, it's, it's okay. Talk about, but, but, but talk about that at the beginning of the, as a group right who wants to drink this week who doesn't want to drink not instead of going oh you're not having a beer and, and making people feel like shit it's like well no I, i'll be honest i don't want to drink on this trip mm-hmm. i think i think having that conversation at the start and 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 making it very clear that look everyone's got a choice let's not pressure people like whatever they want to do i, I think that's the change that I, I love i love the idea and i think you will connect better with people if you're sober you will connect better with people if you're if you're out doing you know things that are good for you as opposed to just, I mean, I had a good time on that stag dude, but honestly I've come back and I've gone, it's, it's put me off drinking again for another three months. I think <laughs> it's just like, cause you do, you just, I, I had fun with it, but I'm like, I come back and I'm, I could have had better. I could have been doing better things in, in, in with my day. Um, yeah, no, we had, um, we had the group uh, quarter lunch club and I mean, it finished at six, like it wasn't even late, but it was just, you know, obviously where I don't drink anywhere near what I used to, you know, you have a nice meal, you're drinking a lot, and, you know, so, some people decide to bring out some shots. Um, wake up in the morning, I was like, what the hell has happened? Yeah. I feel like I've been run yeah. over. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, terrible. It's, um, but no, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, what what's great to see is that the, the younger generations are, I say younger, you know, the sort of 21, 22-year-olds, they don't drink as much as we did when – well, I did anyway when I was that age. Um, you know, they want to do more interesting things. You know, when I was in recruitment, all we wanted to do is get taken out on the piss. Like yeah, if our same. boss took us, if our boss took us out for the piss, he was a hero. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you know, put his card behind the bar. What a mm. hero! You yeah. know, I, I don't think those kind of things are appreciated rightfully by the, the younger generation now they don't see that as a differential of working for a business you know yeah. I, I see see adverts on linkedin the whole time and you know it's like oh we haven't we have a bar in the office you know free drinks fridge i don't think that really attracts people anymore i mean you know obviously everyone likes to have the occasional drink but you know i saw someone slating the other day that a company gives free gym membership and i couldn't really understand why they were slating that you know that i think that's quite an important thing. just remember mate what people say is a reflection of them not you so yeah. someone who's slating it is looking at themselves in a mirror going oh i should probably go to the gym more they've got an issue with it and it's <laughs> seriously that that's the one thing i've learned in life is let whatever people say is usually a reflection of them not you so if they're 
if you're doing what you're doing, you're happy with it. And someone's got an opinion. I put a post up about on LinkedIn today about people. What do you do when people disagree with you? And I'm like, do whatever the fuck you do in normal life. Talk to them, have a debate. If you don't agree after a, you know, a bit of to and fro, move the fuck on and get on with your day because not everyone's going to agree with you in life. That's okay. You don't have to end up in an argument with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the one reason I think people don't talk online is because they're so frightened of what could happen. Like, I bet you were you know, thought in your head, well, if I put this post up, what are people going to think of me? Before you know it, you can put yourself off doing anything. But it's about living your life and, and mm-hmm. realizing that other people's opinions are based on them and not you. And that's, that's what I've learned. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. Like it, like I said, you know, we used to do the advert saying, you know, we give, we have a beer fridge and all that stuff. And I just found myself, it wasn't, you know, I know certain businesses want to be built that way. And two years ago, I wanted to build a business that had Jack the lads, mm. everyone wants to get absolute play hard, work hard situation, work as hard as you can run through walls, go out drinking, get, you know, shit faced until three in the morning come into work, smash it out again, because that's the kind of environments that I worked in previously. That's what but it's, yeah, that's what I knew. But, you know, we also didn't know that, you know, most of the people that were doing that probably had some sort of mental health problems that they didn't want to talk about. They did, probably didn't even know they had it because it was, it was not really a, a thing for people to talk about back then. And I think we're so much more conscious of it now. And as we're conscious of it, what are we actually doing about it? You know, mm. are, are we creating an environment that we can do the best we possibly can to enable people to have the least amount of stress in their workday, the most amount of me time that they possibly can? You know, at the end of the day, we are a sales business. We do require them to make money for the business. You know, that that is a fundamental of our business. But we can provide them the best platform to look after themselves as well exactly mate i could talk about this stuff all day as you can probably tell but <laughs> we have we have run out of time um if anyone does like, i reckon there'd be people who listen to this who'd be like this is the sort of stuff that we need to do like we need to be you know we need to change the script around the narrative around alcohol mm-hmm. we need to think about um would you be open if any recruitment owner reaches out wants to pick your brain yeah. open to a chat yeah yeah of course of course like i said i don't want this to be a competitive advantage of us like, you know, mm. yes, it might help us hire people now, um, but there's no reason why other recruitment businesses shouldn't do this as well. And I, I implore them to, you know, the positive mm. impact that you have on your staff is way greater than me having a slightly competitive advantage to being able to hire that sort of small demographic of people that this caters to. Because even people it doesn't cater to immediately, I can tell you right now, once people embrace it, you know, like we spoke about the 15 days, once people embrace it, that it becomes a lifestyle and you'll see a, a massive improvement in their mental health. hundred percent. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope people reach out to you. You're going to be tagged in everything that we do. Um, Perfect. I'm going to be keep, let's keep an eye on what you're up to um, and we'll get you back on again in the future. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much, buddy. Cheers, mate. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. 
I am the CEO and founder of Oxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. and would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn. I'll see you soon.